just the one match this week, which was the 3-1 away victory at Barrow. Graham Miles thought the crew were the best team by far today and the 3-1 flattered Barrow. He thought there was an awful pitch, but crew kept trying to play attractive football. No fault for any of the players, but special mentions for Offord and Booth, who both had awesome games. Callum Sesford thought the spirit, the quality, the character. He thought the crew have everything a promotion side needs. What a job Lee Bell is doing, and um, Callum thought it was a great performance. Adam Turner thought that Barrow looked a level above a Cresty Road, so it is some turnaround that the reverse is true today. Adam thinks that in any other season we'd finish top three, but unfortunately the top three are so strong this season. Ashley Cowley didn't think that any player was below a 7 out of 10, that no one ever put their head down when it was 1-0, and there's confidence in the team that it can be turned round. Andy O'Neill quotes seven goals scored, two conceded, four wins on the bounce, two undefeated home records breaking, beating two promotion rivals. Andy finishes by simply saying, what a team. Trevor Griffiths thought the crew were just too good today for Barrow and looked like a team who know that promotion is in their hands. Gresty Roadender backs this up and simply says promotion form, enough said. Rob Murray thought it was a brilliant result and performance. He thought Crew were by far the better team playing passing football on a difficult pitch. Really well deserved three points and a special mention to Tom Booth who made some important top class saves. James thought the Barrow were really poor, but obviously they get results because they're used to the conditions and the poor pitch. James thought it was the worst away end he'd ever been in, and so he was very thankful to get out with three points and hopefully to never have to return again. James also thought that Thomas and Offord were brilliant once again. Then James adds that he's so glad for Billington getting his first goal. It was richly deserved, and he's also pleased to see Holacek get his first as well. Rurari Crescullo thought that Offord in midfield was incredible yet again and Shiloh was getting closer to his best. Crew out footballed them in a potato field and he's also delighted for Billington and Holicek getting their first goals. Joe thought there were some lovely bits of football, real character and plenty of chances too. Adam thought it was a really good performance uh, and it's a real statement that we are up for the playoffs and breathing down the necks of the top three. David Royal brings us all to reality by reminding us that 50 points and we're safe. Chris Thompson thinks that 2024 is going worryingly well. He thinks there's a very special group of players and a very special atmosphere and spirits too. Paul Gregory thought it was brilliant again today and a real show of character after the early goal. Booth superb, offers superb, everyone and everything superb except for the pitch. Eddie O'Grady thought that Offord was amazing, a truly excellent performance. And Jacob finishes it off with the simple statement, Matus Holacek is a first-team player. Hello, welcome to the Railway Men podcast. We're here to discuss Crew's excellent 3-1 away victory at Barrow at the weekend. Um, as ever, I need a panel, and today we've gone for the classic pod lineup of some old pod diehards. Um, we have joining us Tim Robinson. Hi, Steve. Uh, Mark Bertels. Hello, everybody. And Alex Irani. 
Hello, Steve. Great to be back on with you, the A-list host. Absolutely. The Saint and Greavesy of the podcast. That's <laughs> one, one for the kids. Um, okay, so um, away game at Barrow. Mark, I'd, I'd like to come to you first because I want to do a little bit of scene setting because I believe this game carried a fair bit of heft for you and, and you, you were particularly looking forward to hopefully gaining a victory. Could you remind us why? Uh, two words, George Ray. That would start it. Um, I think everybody remembers his theatrical dive to win his side of penalty in the game at home in front of a packed out crowd on a, a night where they caught us depleted and, and got one over on us as well. And that stung because I walked away from that game that night and felt cheated that those that had bought tickets for the first time or perhaps come for the first time this season hadn't really seen the, the real crew um, just because of the number of injuries we got. Um, and then obviously that idiot manager of theirs likes to do the three fist pumps at the end and Barrow put a video of that out and um, and had a bit of a dig at our admin. So, yeah, there was there was a few reasons why I wanted to get one over on them. But the main one, I think, would be uh, our former centre-back in Mr Ray. Perfect, Mark. Thank you. That's a perfect bit of scene setting for us. Um, obviously, credit to Barrow for getting the match on. A lot of games called off yesterday in League Two after a week of freezing conditions. But Alex, pitch looked tricky and the wind quite strong. Did you did you think the conditions were against us a bit when you got to the ground? The pitch was a mess, wasn't it? Like you could see we were in this permanent gazebo, uh, which was an abomination of a way end of an away end. Um, so there was always the fear that the, the high wind was going to blow that over. Fortunately, it stayed sturdy, and we weren't under a heap of metal. But the pitch cut up really, really badly, and you could see it before the game. I think it played in our favour in one instance because I do wonder whether the ball to Shiloh Tracy ahead of him crossing for, for Billington would have stayed in play on a proper pitch because I think it probably would have would have skipped out of play but it sort of got held up. It sort of got a, a bare pattern of just mud which, which, which caught it, which meant the ball stayed in play. Um, but yeah, you can see a few of the players struggling with it and you do get nervous when you try and knock it around. I mean, it's all well and good Man City you know, Arsenal playing out from the back on the carpets they play out in the Premier League. But when you look at League Two level on a pitch like that, all it is is a, is a cheeky little bobble goes over your controlling foot and then someone's in behind. So there was the risk, but they stuck to their principles um, and overcame the conditions, which is not something that you say about crew. Usually when you see a cold, wet, windy day, you fear the worst. But yesterday they stood up to the challenge. So you've got to, you've got to credit them for that. Tim, I'll, I'll come, come to you for this one. Um your thoughts when you saw the team? I thought we were top heavy in terms of attacking talent on the pitch, but it's good to have some options plus Colkit um, on the bench. What did you think of that team? Obviously, why why wasn't in the team because he'd gone back to Newcastle. That was the um, the biggest change, and um, Tracy was back in. Um, so it looked likely that Rowe would play in in midfield with Offord and Thomas, and that's the that's the way it panned out. But. Uh, Kind of thought it was a it was about as strong as we can be without Tabernacle, Williams, and Powell. Um, and obviously we had the two new signings on the bench as well, Lee and Osterfield. So, yeah, I, I thought it looked a pretty good starting eleven and a um, pretty decent options off the bench as well. So I was pretty optimistic that we could give a good account. So the match begins, um, and it's largely kind of quite even. Uh, and out of the blue, in about the ninth minute, um, we concede. Um, Probably quite a disappointing goal to concede. Tim, Tim, I'll stick with you. Take us through that opening goal for Barrow. Yeah, it it was one of them where I don't think you could really pinpoint anyone being at fault. 
Um, the goal was actually quite reminiscent of uh, Nevitt's goal last week against uh, Swindon, was it? Um, you know, it was a kind of a lateral run from their player um, coming onto a ball in from the right. And, he, you know, he caught it sweetly and put it in the bottom corner. Um, really disappointing start, really, or really disappointing goal to concede, because I thought we'd actually started fairly well. I thought we looked a better team. Um, and it was just kind of, oh, God, here we go. You know, first attack, first goal, typical. Um, but, yeah, brilliant, brilliant way to bounce back. I thought um, you can you can always do endless things to stop a goal, but it was one of those occasions where I actually thought it's not a bad goal from their point of view. You know, he pulled off um, his man, um, and it, at the time it didn't look like it had gone in with a lot of pace, but you can't tell properly from where we were sat. Um, but having seen it back, there's no chance for the keeper. It was actually quite a tidy finish. Okay, match then settles into a kind of steady pattern of of a lot of crew possession in our half and the aforementioned passing back and forth between the back line that Alex mentioned earlier. Um, But it's from such a period of play that uh, Mickey uh, pings uh, a cross-field ball to Rio. Alex, do you want to talk us through that crew equaliser from there? It was a bit old-fashioned, wasn't it? Uh, Let's take the pitch out of the play. It was a knock-up. He got the flick on. Um, Chris Long then took it to the byline and they always say about strikers knowing where to be good at crossing the ball because they know where they want it and that's exactly what Chris Long did there he went outside him he put in a tremendous cross and it was just saying to a striker get on the end of it and that's exactly what Elliot Nevitt did it was similar to the goal um, Forrest Green earlier on in the season where Long got it on the left he went outside drilled it across the goal and there was never to tap in. And I think, I don't think we do enough of that being being critical. Um, Long is good at actually going both ways. And as soon as you go both ways, as a fullback, you don't know whether to, to press him, knowing he can go outside you, whether to show him out, show him inside. It, it leaves him, it leaves him guessing, which just gives you that half, half an edge. Um, so you've got to credit Long there. He did well. Um, sometimes simple is effective, and that's exactly what it was. I mean, there was a couple of other chances that never should have. He could have had a first half hat trick, couldn't he? Um, the, the but, other goal that that um, the other goal that it was reminiscent of was Dan Adji's last season against Bradford. The tap in before yes. he scored the screamer, where Long got it down the left and just low ball tap in for the striker. Yeah, it's it's if you get it in the right area, it's impossible to defend really because as a defender, all you can do is stick it in your own net. So you're hoping that a striker hasn't gambled and doesn't get on the end of it. But Nevitt's done it a couple of times this season and he seems to be finding himself, I say in the right place at the right time, but as Gary Lineker explains it, he's in that space place all the time. So when the ball comes there, it looks like he's in the right place at the right time. So it's a skill. So I think that's 10 for the season for Nevitt, isn't it? We'd actually commented um, that all the play in the, the first, was it 20 minutes the goal, the equaliser? About 20 minutes, was it? Um all the play seemed to be down the right-hand side and Chris Long had barely touched the ball and not because he wasn't in the game. It was No one was giving him the ball. He was he was standing out there waving his arms and he was starting to look a bit frustrated. And then his first sort of real meaningful contribution was that. Um, and for anyone who's not seen it, I don't know if you guys have seen it yet, but there's a, you know, the guy that films the goals from a different angle. I think he does access all Alex videos. So you get a different uh, angle from the main camera. He's done a shot of that goal this morning and there's a lovely reaction of George Ray just in the background looking really pissed off. So that was delightful to wake up to. I think this could be a running thread on today's pod, Mark, couldn't it? 
I think that's going to be kind of drip, <laughs> strip fee throughout. Um, <clears throat> Tim, I'll come back to you because Alex has already mentioned, really, um, Nevitt, should he have been looking at a hat-trick in that first half? He's got a, an effort from um, across from Rio and then Rio's free kick. Um, disappointed he didn't manage to score at least one of those two? Yeah, I think the um, the one that he kind of put over and wide from Rio's ball in, it was one of them where it kind of it, it bounced. And it, he's not really got a lot of time after the bounce to control the finish. Um, so it's difficult to really sort of say he should have scored that. But from where the shot was actually taken from about four yards out, if he had got it on target, it's an absolute cast iron goal. And we're talking a lot about Rio here. Um, Rio's free kick, Rio's cross. Notable that Rio wins the flick down to Chris Long. Um, Mark, is that kind of symptomatic of his improvement this season? Yeah. I noticed yesterday that, um, again, he, he struggled at times, particularly in the first half, um, to get a lot of the ball. But he involved himself in the game. He made himself available. He, got, You know, he didn't hide. He didn't disappear. Um, he's moved on uh, almost immeasurably this season, I think in terms of progress. Um, the summer will be interesting because obviously he's out of contract, but as you pointed out this week, Tim to me, he's still under 23, so we command some money. Um, it'd be interesting to see if it went to that that scenario, what sort of money he would command. Ideal scenario is signing him up on another two or three-year contract, isn't it? And then if he does move on, we should get a decent fee for him. But his, um, his improvement's been remarkable this season. And... Both sides of the ball as well. Like on, his one-on-one -on -one defending was absolutely superb. I thought against Swindon last week, and then you know his his play going forward has been absolutely tremendous. And he's played in a lot of positions. But um, just on yesterday, I noticed um, Lee Bell in his interview said that they had a plan of how to get behind Barrow. And I think if you look at the way we played, I think that plan must have been to get in the channels. You know, use our fullbacks getting forward and overlap and get in the channels. Um, and the space being between the centre-halves and the full-backs, because we did it over and over again. Obviously, um, Long got in for Nevitt's goal, um, Rio for the chances that we just talked about there, um, Cooney in the second half, you know, um, Tracy for Billington's goal. Um, we just absolutely killed them in those spaces. So if that was the plan from Lee Bell, it was absolutely superbly thought out and um, superbly executed by the players. Uh, into the second half, um, and there's an interesting moment when we we break from a, a corner, and it's Mickey Dimitriou leading the charge, and the ball gets put out for a throw, and and quick thinking from our, our legendary centre back, who then does one of his long throws and puts Shiloh Tracy in the clear. Um, Tim, I'm I'm going to come back to you on this one because I seen Trevor in a recent pod. You said you thought he'd been overcoached, and when he's clean through here the chance just drifts away and he doesn't get a shot off. To you, is that, is he, do you still think he's overcoached or is it an example of a player who's just lacking in confidence at that point in time? I think he is lacking in confidence and I think that lack of confidence comes from, he hasn't quite managed to integrate the coaching that he's received into his natural ability. So he's, the, the options that he's got available to him at any one point, he's got what would come naturally, which is normally just to skin the man and go past him. Plus some of the new ideas, I think, that he's been given. And he's not quite assimilated it yet. I think it'll come. Um, but yeah, at the moment, he looks like a man who's kind of going through his options in his head rather than just doing what, what comes naturally. 
So, um, new boy Osterfield comes on in the 60th minute, and then four minutes later, we carve out a goal. Um, we've just been talking about him, but finally, an assist from Shiloh Tracy. Mark, um, we mentioned the kind of Alex mentioned the ball holding up on the pitch a little bit earlier. Talk us through the rest of that goal. I thought he was offside. Um, not a chance, bang in line with it. I thought okay. he timed it perfectly. And in fairness, where you were stood, you had a better view than me. Um, unbelievably in that stand, but um, yeah, great run. Um, he did superbly well to uh, to keep it in. Um, you make a point I hadn't considered Alex, which is a very good one. It was particularly Sandy, wasn't it, in that corner? And I think that's probably what helped. Um, but then that, for me, the, the best bit is the composure he showed. Um, he didn't just put his head down and run, which sometimes he does. He clearly looked up. He saw the opportunity at the back post. Um, perfect cross, delightful cross. Um, and there's the man that's just signed a new contract to another goal scorer for this season. It's unbelievable. And and really, um, we could wax lyrical about almost all the players, I think, if not all of them. But the way that he's played in the last few weeks and cemented himself into the side and looked like he's been there from August, if anybody deserved a goal, it was him. And and it was great that it was our end and it was great that he come running over. And again, if you look at the video that the club's put out, the players are obviously delighted for him as well. It was a, a really good moment. I don't know what to do, does he, when he scores? He's like kind of, he's sort of almost like running around in a daze. And then I think, I can't remember, he was one of the other players, like grabs him and goes, no, our fans are over there. And like pushes him towards the fans to celebrate in front of us. I don't know. I was too busy antagonising the uh, Barrow fans to my right that had done it to me when they went 1-0 up. He, he did, uh, I quite like, and, and credit to Shiloh, I do think if, if his chance had come after he'd got the assist, I wonder whether we'd have had a different outcome. Um, I think this, this might have given him a bit of confidence that when he charged Sean goal, he probably would have just slotted it away, but he just seemed to sort of trip over his own feet almost. Um, but Billington, I enjoyed it. It was a centre-forwards type desire to really, right, there's an opportunity here. Bust the gut to get in there. Shiloh put it in a brilliant area where, as a keeper, you're on a hiding to nothing. And then he just got his head on it and, and diverted it past the keeper into the back of the net. So, yeah, it was a um, very satisfying goal um, because it was good for Billington to get his first goal. Um, and it's sort of been just reward, isn't it? He's been, he's been, has hardly put a foot wrong in the past 10 games. So it's nice for him to have something to show for that. Um, and to get Shiloh back on the assist trail. And hopefully that'll be one of many between now and April. Remember the days when we used to produce centre forwards and midfielders, and now we produce goal scoring defenders? It's quite something, isn't it? I mean, you could have the whole, you could have a whole academy back four. That would involve obviously dropping Sir Michael of Dimitri, which I don't think anyone is advocating. Um, but yeah, it's it, yeah. The table seems to have turned, haven't they? It's worth making that point, actually, isn't it? You know, we've beaten Bradford, Mansfield, Swindon, and Barrow in consecutive games, and we've done it with four of the back five, including Booth and goals coming through the academy. Now that is that's remarkable. There then follows what I would call a match-defining moment when Booth gets down well, um, say from Whitfield to his right, Alex Wood. Harvey have saved that. Is that a serious question? Yes. <laughs> All right. No. Um, and the reason why, and again, I, I suppose that front row view I had was actually quite good. On the angle, you can see right behind him, Booth anticipated the shot. That's why he saved it. Without the anticipation, he's not getting down to it. Forget the fact that Harvey 
has has proper doms for hands, he wouldn't have anticipated the shot in the first place to actually get his hands there. So it was a really good bit of goalkeeping. It was, it was. I'd go as far as say it's something a senior pro who'd been around the leagues for a lot of years would have anticipated and done. So credit to Booth, and he's growing game on game. He looks more assured in that number one role. I personally would probably still go out and get a keeper if we can. Um, but if you're going to just end up going and picking up another Harvey Davis, there is an argument to say, let's invest that money elsewhere. I don't know where in the pitch, because obviously we've got Osterfield in, we've got Lewis Lee in midfield. There's still hope that Joe White comes back. You've got Matters now, who I'm sure we'll come on to in a bit, coming back in the wide areas with Rowe, with Long. So I don't know where you'd get that extra player. Um, but if they could, if they've got the budget for a goalkeeper, they could be well-pressed to spend it elsewhere. And I wouldn't begrudge him it because I think Tom Booth is doing, is making a case to be our number one. Cooney and Holacek come on. Uh, and then we go to, we seem to go to a back three to see out the final few minutes. However, Cooney's input turns into another great cameo like we saw at Mansfield. Um, Tim, could you talk us through that third and final goal that starts with that great crossfield pass from new boy Osterfield? Yeah, it is, it is a great pass. You, you're spot on. Um, and it's it's one of them where Puny's control and momentum just taking past the left back um, and then he's in. And um, he, he lays it off to CBR. CBR doesn't quite manage to beat the keeper, but the keeper can only parry it out. And um, Matas Holacek's there to head it in. Um, well done to anyone who had a few bob on Matas Holacek's first goal for the club being a header by the way, because I don't think many people would have seen that coming. Um, but yeah, what, what, a, what a great way to uh, to wrap up a superb day with um, Holacek um, being the second new scorer for the club on the day. It might get overlooked a little bit, but uh, Osterfield looked good, didn't he? He wasn't short on confidence. Um, I think, was it him that had that bit of a wild shank at a clearance on the edge of our penalty area towards the end of the match that he tried to volley it clear and it just looped up and went out for a, a corner, I think. I think it might have been offered. I'm not sure. But, right. yeah, he, he, look, he looked very good. I, yeah, I, he did. I think he, he looks physical as well, doesn't he? He's not yeah. lightweight. Yeah, I was quite impressed because um, it perhaps gets swallowed up and everything else that happened. But, yeah, he had some good touches and um, and looked quite impressive. Big lad as well. He obviously um, had a spell with Morecambe last season and did well for them in League One. So it'll be interesting to see if he uh, plays on Tuesday. His size and presence caught me, really did catch me off 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 you know, off guard. I wasn't expecting this absolute beast of a man to sort of arise from the sub bench. But when he when he came on and agreed, Mark, he did it he wasn't short in confidence. Um it was uh, he, he did all right, I thought, and he and I think he'll get better with the more time they spend with him and the and the more minutes he gets in him. And hopefully he improves in line with our continued form. And just a quick <laughs> nod to um to Mr. Cooney, because it was a, an important header that he won. And if anybody's in any doubt of what uh, what our promotion race means to him, watch the celebration for uh, the goal in front of the fans. He is absolutely over the moon, punching the air. and He's proper invested in us, and uh, he's turning into a bit of a super sub, isn't he? It's incredible what a difference a month can make. When we played Barrow back in December, I didn't attend the game. I was in the air at the time. But you look at the squad that we had that day, compared to the players that are coming back now, the difference is night and day. Now, everyone was going December was a rocky patch. And it was, you, you know, results say that. I think it was six without a win or whatever. 
But considering the sides that we were having to put out, wasn't exactly a surprise. So I think that the, the reassuring thing from our perspective is the fact that it was injuries that were the reason that we were struggling. You can't. It wasn't anything else because we've seen since we've started to get players fit again, the difference performance, the difference in performance, and the difference in results. And it's no, it's no coincidence. So the challenge just remains. And I and I said it back in September, and I'll and I'll keep keep banging the drum. Depending on how fit we can keep our squad, is ultimately going to decide our destiny in this league. And again, you know, I, I, I still feel. Um... I still feel frustrated and cheated that the club and the supporters association went to such efforts to promote that reduction game against Barrow. And we could only put up a half hour side out, which was nobody's fault, but I wish those 7,000 fans could have seen that performance yesterday um, instead, because it, they were worlds apart. And, and Barrow, I think yesterday came up against the real crew Alex. Yeah, that was the real crew Alex yesterday. And it was also the wheel Barrow. Oh my God. <laughs> dear God. Oh. oh dear. You'll catch me putting puns like that in. Oh. Very good, very good. He's been saving that one. Must have been saving that one all season. And I didn't know, and yet set him up perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyway. Final few moments, see Barrow throw everything at us, but Mickey and the boys stand firm. CBR could even have another when he's clean through. Alex, do you want to see him taking a different option there rather than smashing it straight at the keeper? He should have... I think he should have tried to dig the goalkeeper. I don't think leathering it was the right approach, um, is what I will say. But it would have been nice to get CBR on the score sheet because then you got Nevitt scoring goals, Baker Richardson scoring goals. I mean, Long obviously scored against Newport and Bradford. Um, so having them all firing would have been helpful. But I got, uh, credit where it's due, Courtney Baker Richardson in our own box. Have we had a better centre-forward in a defensive role? Some of the headers he wins back there. Core blimey. And I can't remember what the game was earlier on in the season. It might have even been Bradford where he was clearing them off the line as well. It's like, when have we had, and I'm not saying we haven't had strikers who haven't done their defensive work, but I can't remember one as effective as him in his own penalty box. So it's quite helpful having him as a sub. Either way, you've got it as if you're chasing the game, you're bringing on a striker who obviously got the winner against Swindon last week as a prime example. But if you're holding on to a lead, you're knowing that he's going to do his defensive duties to head out the box, head, uh, clear your box when those crosses come in. It is an absolute bonus. Weirdly, actually, when we brought a centre forward on, <clears throat> and you're trying to, you know, when you're sitting with whoever you're sitting with and you talk about the sub, first thing we said, you bring in a centre-forward on, he's coming on to head the ball out of the box because he's just so good at it. Yeah, and he's, I think he likes doing it. Like, you can see when he heads the ball out, he's, like, pumped up for doing his defensive duties and he's proud of his efforts, which is good. And you want people to say pride in what they do. So, long mate, continue. Um, okay, there is another crucial stop from Booth um, in a scramble at the end that further, I think, cements his place as the present number one. Um, however, we see it through, and it's our first win at Barrow since 1970. It's a bit of a cheat of a fact, because obviously we haven't played there for loads of that time. Um, however, Tim, in your mind, which is the most impressive result, the win at Barrow or the win at Mansfield? 
It's it's a good question. I think this was probably a better all round performance. Um, we absolutely bossed this game, um, and we could easily have won by more than we did. I think Mansfield is probably maybe a slightly better result all in, just because of the calibre of the opposition. Um, but yeah, two you take them two and the derby result in the cup, and that's three absolutely superb away wins this season. I'm gonna jump in here. The Mansfield result was better. I think Mansfield are a good team. I think Barrow is shite. Um, all right, they're wherever they are in the league, but Christ, there was... I, I don't know how they are. And you've got to credit that they're clearly capable of grinding out results. Doesn't mean they're any good. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I think the Mansfield was a, was a miles better result. I think what we've got to take a nod to is Mansfield run beaten at home. HMS pissed the league turn up, 1-0 win. Barrow unbeaten at home, HMS pissed the league turn up. That's the end of that. So I think it's credit where it's due, you know, toppling the final two unbeaten home records, potentially in the EFL, I'd have to, I'd have to cross-reference cross that, um, is, no, is nothing to be frowned upon. It's, it's a hell of an achievement. So well done to all concerned. You're right there. I I think Barrow showed in the first game that they were a, a functional side and no more than that. And I think we absolutely exposed their limitations on Saturday. Agreed. And to be fair, it was consistent with what people said after the first Barrow game. When we get a proper side out there, nine times out of ten we'll beat them. And we did. And we beat them comfortably. As um, Steve just alluded to, Baker Richardson should make it 4-1. And then there's a real gloss on the scoreline. But a 3-1 win away from home is not to be sniffed at. Um, but Mansfield, and going back to Mansfield, even the opening day of the season, the first, before, when we went 2-0 down, we couldn't get near him. I remember watching that on the iFollow thinking, God, blimey, this is a proper team. Um, I never once thought that at any stage during yesterday's game in regards to Barrow, even when they had their lead for 10 minutes. Um, we had um, a team full of outstanding performances yesterday, but I just want to highlight one player in particular, which is Connor Thomas, um, who, after a promising start last season, got an awful lot of flack for the latter half of the season. And Tim, I'm going to come to you because I know, and I'm in agreement with you, you've definitely revised your opinion on him. Connor Thomas? Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly the first half of last season, I was one of the people giving him flack. I didn't see what he really brought to the team at all. Um, I think I agree with what Alex has said a lot of the time, that he's he looked like a centre-half. But I thought he was absolutely outstanding yesterday. I thought he was head and shoulders the best player on the pitch. He just absolutely dominated the middle of the park. Um, he's come on leaps and bounds. I think he's... Off the ball, he is superb. He's always the the first man to press. He gives everything every week. Um, and he's gone from a player that I didn't particularly fancy at all to probably one of my favourite players. I just think he's absolutely superb. If if Stu was the host, um, he'd be saying now that we're, we're just going through every player. But there's two I wanted to give a particular nod to as well. Um, I was um, I was in the ground early. Um, about 45 minutes before kickoff, uh, sitting underneath that shopping trolley uh, shelter. And Mickey Dimitrio, they were doing that, you know, the exercise where the, the Kenny Lunt throws the balls in the air and the, the centre-halves jump and edit clear. Um, it's a warm-up drill. And Mickey Dimitrio was clearly struggling with his ankle. I think it had gone from under him when he landed on that pitch. And we were like, uh-oh, 
because he was obviously in pain and he took a whack really early on again in the same ankle if he, and went down for quite a bit. Um, but he carried on and it's a nod to him for that because he's a, a warrior. That bloke's a warrior who leads by example. And the other one is, I'm not going to go too much over the top because I said it all last week, but Luke Offord, I mean, he's he's now becoming one of the best players we've possibly ever produced, and but so understated. Um, I mean, it, we, we moved him, didn't we, into the back... Uh, into centre half for what was it ten minutes, um, and ended up moving him back because we missed him. Um, he just doesn't lose tackles. He's um, he's a phenomenal footballer. Uh, me personally, if I was the manager, I'd, I'd be moving heaven and earth to keep him. I think I'd be trying to make him a, a, a one of the top players, if not the top paid player next season, and offering him a three year deal or something. But whether that would be enough, I don't know. Maybe we'd stand a chance if we go up, but. I'm not disagreeing with you, Tim, because he was Connor Thomas was superb yesterday, but Luke Offord was very, very good as well. I think it's just saying something that Mark's reeled off a couple of players. Tim's obviously referenced Connor Thomas. We've spoken about Cooney, Holacek getting his first goal, Billington. The fact that I don't really think there was a poor performer on the pitch yesterday. I think in testing circumstances, I think even if, let's say, they weren't at their highest level from a quality perspective, the endeavour they put in, the effort they put in meant that they weren't, nothing was lacking. So you've got to you've got to credit it. So that's why I just think in terms of you know Stu saying we'd mention everyone, everyone does deserve a mention though because everyone put a, put a shift in there. There wasn't anyone being carried by that side yesterday. Just on on Luke Offord again, then um, I, I completely agree with Mark. It'd be very very high on my list of priorities to um to, I'd, I'd make Luke Offord the highest paid player at the club and um, make him captain and, and basically kind of assure him assure him of his place in in crew history. Keep him at the club for as long as he wants to stay, whatever he wants. Well, he's got the potential if he was to sign to be talked about in the same way that the likes of Sean Smith and Steve McCauley are talked about, I think. Final point on the game then. Um, there's been a kind of agreed sort of philosophy throughout the season that the, the top two are uncatchable and that we might be looking to pick up, um, if we're lucky, third spot or a playoff spot. Mark, are they now catchable? those two financial giants at the top of the table? Well, interestingly, yeah, because I was talking about it, funnily enough, on Friday night. Um, Wrexham, Stockport and Mansfield in particular, and, and maybe Notts County to a, a slightly lesser extent, have, um, have obviously thrown lots of money at the, the the team and the squad to try and get out of the league. And with that comes a lot of pressure from fan bases, a lot of pressure from owners and a lot of pressure from chair people. Um and inevitably, I think at least one of them will bottle it because that's usually what happens, isn't it? Somebody's in that top three all season and they drop into the playoffs and then inevitably get beat in the playoffs because they're going through a sticky spell. Just the same as somebody usually makes a late run into the last playoff place. Um, so I think one of them will fall away. Well, wouldn't it be great if it was Wrexham? But um, all we've got to do is is quietly go about business um, I, still people aren't taking it seriously I don't think I genuinely think there are people out there that somehow think that we've got to mid-January and some are lucky to be in fourth uh, quite how that works I don't know but we're there on merit and if we can stay in touch and one of them does fall away towards the end you know April into May could be very interesting and um, you know it, a few short weeks ago what three weeks ago people were saying on social media that the season was over and we were going to Disappear down into mid-table. I mean, it's some recovery. To to be, if you look at those results on their own, you know, Bradford, Mansfield, Swindon, Barrow, 
two away wins, two home wins. It's a phenomenal start to the year. So, yeah, we're very much in the automatic promotion race now. I still think we'll end up short from an automatic perspective. If you offer me a playoff spot now, I take it. Not have any fear of uh, playing Barrow over two legs if it comes to that. Mm. I, 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 I completely agree with that. And I look at the other sides in and around the playoffs. Um, I don't think... I mean, MK Dons... I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too worried if we had to play MK Dons. You got Barrow, who you oh, obviously what I saw yesterday. You, 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 you take um, Gillingham when we played them earlier on in the season. I wasn't overly impressed with those. So if they sneak into the playoffs, you've got Aquinton Stanley sniffing around. There's nothing, nothing to be feared. I just think the reason we'll fall short is there's ten days left of the transfer window. Those top three do have significantly bigger budgets than us. I don't think they'll be leaving themselves short come ten days time. They'll get maybe one, maybe two players, probably of an ilk that we won't be able to attract, which should, in theory, lengthen the gap in terms of the players that they're able to attract from what we've got. It's not to mean we can't do it, but I think I'm just wanting to... Um, that's just my perspective. But I'd also like to say this. If people are getting carried away, let people get carried away. Like, look at the last two seasons we've had. been utterly awful. Like... All right, people say keep your feet on the ground, whatever. No, if people want to dream, dream. Knock yourself out. It's the hope that keeps us going every week. Let people have that hope that they think we're going to get it. So, everyone, enjoy the ride. We don't have many good ones, so when you do get one, make sure you enjoy it. I think uh, if we if we do it or whether we don't, the the um, the point is we're in the race and we should be taken seriously. On that point you just made, though, Alex, I think um, you're right about the, those top three having lots of money. But I know that crew are, are really keen to make sure that they bring in players that are going to fit within the group and, and buy into this team spirit and togetherness. If you're not careful, if you bring in players in just for the sake of it, just to bolster your squad and you bring in the wrong characters, or you bring somebody in on significantly more money than the team that's already there or the players that's already there, it could have an adverse effect. So, you know, it, it can work both ways. Just because they're going to go out and buy X, Y and Z, doesn't necessarily mean they'll get better. You know, it, it's a shot in the dark, I know, but it can work both ways. The, the Tino Asprea effect, isn't it? They signed Asprea for loads of money in Newcastle when they were top of the league, thinking it was the final piece in the jigsaw, and they ended up not winning it. I was just going to say, Mark, glass half full, Bertels, in all his glory. <laughs> you can talk. What about that TED talk by Alex Arani you just gave? Uh, that was for people just to, you know... Because I think we do get carried away, all oh, settle down, you know, let people enjoy themselves. Uh, I, you know, it, you don't get these opportunities often. So when you do have them, if people want to drink, knock yourself out, enjoy yourself, have a drink, celebrate. I certainly did yesterday. So I hope everyone else did. Actually, it's worth saying on that point, Alex, um, a few weeks after Christmas, people are usually skin. I think Monday was the last Monday was the, the famous Blue Monday, is it, that people have labelled it. Um Three, over 300 fans there. It's a long way. It's a long trip. It was a horrible, horrible day. Jesus, it was cold. But we took over 300 and they had a damn good day and we never stopped singing. And, and it's great to see the away end enjoying themselves for a change. And uh, and the buzz journey home is fun. Everybody's upbeat. Well, everyone was asleep. But you know what I mean? It's good. It's fun. Um, so you're right. You know, whatever happens, let's just enjoy going away to these grounds and coming away with wins. We've got some cracking away days coming up as well, haven't we? Obviously, we've got Morecambe next, but then we've got, you know, Tranmere, Stockport, Notts County. It'd be great to take a thousand or so to some of them. Obviously, it was a great day yesterday, as the chaps have just alluded to, but it was tempered by some sad news. Mark? 
Yeah, um, I think people are, are aware now through the posts on social media and from the official uh, club site as well um, that we lost Colin Higginson yesterday. Um, I've known Colin for a long time. He, he played football with us in our local park, me and Tim. Um, that's how I first met him. And then through Crew Alex, like a lot of people in my life, he became a friend. I think, Tim, you, you, I might be right in saying that he was a, a contributor to the um, Super Dario Land fanzine back in the day, or the We Are Crew one, um, when Ian Jones did them. Um, and he was, a, you know, he was crew through and through. But I think um, there's always an outpouring of, of emotion and, and people saying nice things when someone passes away. But in this instance, it's true, you know, as a human being, I don't think you could wish to have met a, a more gentle, loving, friendly, um, likeable human being. Um, if you tried, he was a lovely, lovely bloke. Um, I really feel for his, his wife and his daughter and, and the rest of his family. It's a, a massive loss to the Crew Alex community and obviously the Railwomen Supporters Association, of which he was uh, the treasurer. Um, he worked in the, um, the market stall. You know, I, I can't emphasise enough what a lovely guy he was. It's, it's heartbreaking what's happened. Um, I'd like to think yesterday that that, um, that win was for him. And he'll be missed, I think, by more people than he would ever have imagined because he was such a quiet and unassuming guy. He would be stunned at the outpouring of grief there's been so far. Um, so, yeah, um, sleep easy, Colin. You'll definitely be missed. Well Thanks, Mark. The women's team were back in action against Darwin FC this weekend. Let's hear how they got on. Matt, three goals, three points. You must be happy, boy. Yeah, we're, we're, we're delighted, to be honest with you. Um, performance was absolutely fantastic. The girls were top draw. Did everything we asked of them in, in tough conditions. The weather was bad for both teams. It was difficult to um, to judge which way it was coming. It was, it was swirling a bit. But the game plan was obviously to keep it out of the air and, and switch play as quickly as possible. Darwin are a really good side, but they're a really experienced side. And we felt like if we could... Um, work the ball in tight spaces and then switch play quickly and, and, and move the ball quicker than our opponents that we'd have joy in wide areas and that definitely obviously had an impact and, and, and we scored the goals from from those situations so yeah over the moon probably our best performance of the season we've said a lot this season that we've come at the end of games and we've gone oh we could have taken more chances but i think we took our chances today are you happy with with how clinical we were yeah definitely i mean three nil it looks i mean i think we had a lot of the ball but We've had games where we've had probably three times as many clear-cut chances as we had today and, and not scored three. So, we, you know, we could have always had one more, you know, two more maybe. Emily's through one-on-one, but their keeper's top draw. She's played at a top, top level. And I feel like the goals that we did score, we gave her no chance with. So, um, three really good goals. I like the first one for, for, for the fact that, you know, we've, we've basically really pressured them in the box and, and, and made something out of nothing. Um, second one was what we know Leah can do and the third one's a great strike from a set piece. Moving to the other end of the pitch, I think that's three clean sheets at home in a row. You must be happy with the defensive performances as well. Three, three at home. I think, I think that's, well, that, that's, what, that's what Hannah told me. Yeah, well, well Hannah won't be wrong, yeah, she? Let's yeah. face it. Um, well, that's good. Obviously, we knew we kept a clean sheet last week and, and you know, someone just said then that the, you know, the, the clean sheet was the cherry on a very nice cake today. And I, I would say that's, that's the case because We've got amazing defensive-minded players. You know, Shez is, is included in that in that defensive unit, and, and Hannah's you know the best goalkeeper in the league. 
um, by a country mile. And sometimes the way we play, we might win games 4-1, 4-2, 3-1, and they don't get their joy. They see their targets as clean sheets, etc. So um, it's nice that, that they, they get that. Um, and uh, I'd, I'd argue probably Shanice had as good a game today as she's ever had for us. She was brilliant. And also, you know, stepping into that midfield third, she did quite a lot. That was part of what we wanted to do. We, we used inverted wingers today. Um, and uh, like I said, if we work in wide areas, that would free up space centrally. And then Shanice could step in and she made loads of things happen doing that. So, yeah, over the moon with the clean sheet. Second goal came from Leah Collins, back from injury, scored within a couple of minutes coming on. You must be pleased, pleased for her. Pleased for her massively. She's, she's her own worst enemy sometimes. She's got absolute bags of ability. She can go right to the top. She just probably doesn't believe in herself as much as we believe in her at times. Um, she's the fastest thing that I've ever worked with. She's the fastest player I've ever worked with. She's absolutely rapid. And she's got ability to go with it. Sometimes she's just got a bit of a parachute on her back because it's in her head. Can I do this? Can I do that? And we just want to free her of that. She did that today. I think she come on, she was fearless. Um, she probably looked more comfortable on the left-hand side cutting in than she does normally on the right-hand side. You know, she likes to go around the outside a bit and she can win races but then ends up in the corner. Um, so, uh, and it was a really cool finish. I think that, you know, that's a sign of, of confidence there. Again, you know, we, we all know who that keeper is, which is top draw. Um, but uh, to, to have that composure, I mean, probably, probably had limited touches, didn't she? It was really quick. I almost missed it myself. Nice one, mate. Well done today. Cheers, you um, So this week sees the return of midweek action and our first meeting of the season with Morecambe following the postponement earlier in the season. Um, they sit 13th, five points off the playoffs. Bit like when we played Swindon after the Mansfield win. We're looking to consolidate an excellent away win uh, where we maybe should be looking to pick up some more points. Alex, what do you reckon of our trip to Morecambe? I think it will be a difficult fixture. I think we're fortunate in the sense that they were one of a few teams that played yesterday in League Two. So it's not like they're coming off a free weekend. Um, but they've gone to MK Dons and got an impressive result. So I think it'll be I think it'll be tricky. Um, but the way we're pe- playing at the moment, there's no one that I'd fear. Um, but I think if you offer me a point right now, I'd probably take it. Keep the momentum going. Um, and you almost don't want to win all your games because Lee Bell will get the dreaded manager of the month and then you're worried about what will happen in February off the back of that. Would that be your <laughs> would that be your prediction then, Alex? Yeah, I think it's going to be a score draw. One each. Lovely. Mark, Morecambe away. What do you think? <clears throat> what I think is, um, I'm an idiot because on the way back yesterday, I heard there was four seats spare on the coach to Morecambe and decided to book one of them. Um so I'm toddling off up there on Tuesday. Um, and it really, it comes back to what Alex has just said, like being a crew fan is so enjoyable at the minute, then why would you not want to go if you can? Um, I'm going to go for a 2-1 away win. Tim, what do you think? I believe Morecambe haven't won at home since October. Um, so although the, the form's all right, but not at home. Um, and, and normally you'd say... Um, Come in, Dr. Crew will see you now when anyone's uh, got a record like that. But the way we're playing, I, I think we're um, we're in the mood to go five on the spin. Um, and I don't think we've done that for, I think it's 22 years. Um, oh, really? 2002, the last time, I think. Um, so, yeah, I am also going. I'm also confident. And I am going to also say two on crew. Fantastic. Thank you. 
Um, I spoke to James from the Morecambe FC Twitter feed um, for his take on Morecambe's recent form. Hi, James. Good to have you with us. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. And obviously, um, this is the first time we've played each other with the postponement um, earlier in the season. And this is the rearranged game. Um, so my first question is asking you to kind of think back to your, your pre-season thoughts after relegation um, and how they've panned out um, against how the season has actually progressed for you. Has it matched? Has it been below expectations? It's been probably miles above expectations, given the um, sort of infamous ownership situation we have at, at our club. Club's been up for sale since probably about 18 months now. And coming into the season, we had to release all of our players who weren't under contract for this coming season. So that was all but six. And one of the six was a youngster. One of the six was a backup left back who's not played this season at all. So, yeah, we had two central defenders. We had a midfielder who's very injury prone. And that was about it coming into the season. And coming into the season, you always look, I think, in League Two at the basket cases. And we just had to be one of them. There was no sort of way of getting around that. I think a lot of us were predicting just about survival. The pundits were predicting 22nd at best. And then we came to the season and we were not far off the automatics. We were in points per game's term. At one point, we were actually in the automatic places in points per game because we had the games in hand from this game and the Crawley game being postponed. But yeah, it's taken a bit of a hit. We've had all of our loanees recalled in January, which is obviously not the greatest. We had a very tough run of games across December and January, but overall, we're starting to get back to it now. We think we can still push somewhere near the playoffs, whether we get near to the playoffs or not is is a different question. But yeah, overall, we're in the grand scheme of things, we're very happy with how it's turned out. Who did you lose in January? How many loanees were were taken back? Yeah, so there were five of them. Four of them played every game and three of them probably were in a player of the season um, shout. So we had Ethan Walker go back to uh, Blackburn. He didn't really play, but he did get a last-minute equaliser against Swindon. And we had Eli King, who's followed Derek Adams up to Ross County now, um, even though he thinks Ross County is so much worse than Morecambe by every interview he does. Um, but he was a excellent central midfielder who we haven't really replaced yet. So that's probably who we're going to sign with our last sort of spot, but we can afford uh, Tom Bloxham's gone back to Shrewsbury and is playing um, on the right wing. Connolly's gone back to Bristol Rovers and is playing. And then Michael Mellon, 15 goals, 13 in the league as a 19 year old. He was always going to get recalled and he's gone back to Burnley and not found anywhere yet. So if they could have just left, left him with us a bit longer, it would have been appreciated, but that is what it is for the loan market. Yeah, Eli King's an interesting one because we had him on loan last year um, and I'm sure many crew fans will probably agree with me when I say it started off really well and then just tailed off really, really badly and we were probably quite glad to see him go back to Cardiff in the end. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, I suppose, a similar situation to Ryan Cooney at, at yours as well. And you just have certain players who work out in some places and, and don't in others. And I think with low needs especially, we saw with Michael Mellon, we actually had him on loan last season in League One. And like no disrespect, but he wasn't up to it. He got he got an assist and he had a, a shot that was deflected in for an own goal. But apart from that, he had eight or nine games, then got an injury to the end of the season. So he just didn't kick on at all. But then what Derek Adams made a point of saying is that sometimes with these these young loanees, it's actually the second loan they go on. 
where they actually do really kick on. And we saw that with Michael Mellon straight away. He looked a completely different player. He knew exactly what senior football was about. He'd been in the gym. He'd, he knew where to run. He knew not to hide. He knew he could battle with the defenders now. Um, maybe it's the same with Eli. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's interesting that our our kind of loan targets have switched a little bit and that we're, we seem to be now going for those second, third loans. We had Joe White, who's just gone back to Newcastle. Um, this is his third loan and he was outstanding for us. But by all accounts, his previous two loans, he's he's not really been that impressive. Um, anyone else come in to replace these five that you've lost? Yeah, we've had six come through the door. Um, so first, Guion Edwards, right winger, who has played um, not so much football yet because he only just come in, but he looks a real talent. He's he was being touted for League One clubs by um, uh, the sort of Twitter transfer experts. Um, he's he's fast, he can beat a man, but he's so good going back as well. Like he came on um, against Atem Kodons yesterday at the time of recording, and he. Like he kept just nicking the ball off people. He's so instinctive. He's so smart, which is something I've, I don't think I've ever seen anyone like him at our level who can just sense when someone's going to lose the ball and he can just nip in. And he's so smart with not being cute in certain situations. He will just go in for the duel. So he's he's he looks a great addition. Archie Mayer, goalkeeper, was struggling in the goalkeeper department. Um, Stuart Moore, our main keeper, got injured. Adam Smith, um, deputising for him, didn't do the, the greatest of jobs in certain games. I think that's fair to say. So Archie made great with his with his feet. He's on loan from Norwich. He was at Gateshead early on in the season. He saved the penalties for Notts County last season in the playoff final. So good pedigree. Joe Adams, attacking midfielder to replace another player we've lost in JJ McKinnon this time through injury. Um, he's not, ne- not never played senior football before, so you've got that case again of is he ready for it? He, he does look ready, to be honest. He's Maybe the quality hasn't quite come out yet, but he's so, so smart with how he's running and um, he's been starting games for us. Jed Garney, you'll probably know as the striker from Fleetwood, he was at Barrow um, at the start of this season. He was a record signing for them a year ago. Um, only played one game. Harrick, um, Granada international centre-back, he partners for Granada, our other centre-back, Jacob Badeau. So that's quite an interesting one for Granada. So they've Jacob's played three games for Granada now, um, and he's played every single game against um, alongside Harrick at the, the heart of defence. So that's quite a, a fun one for the fans. And then Brandon Barker, um, permanent deal. He came from Ammonia. Well, he's playing for Ammonia last season, playing against Man United in the Europa League when, when they lost to Man United. But Everyone will know him probably from his Man City youth days. Seems a very exciting player. So I think actually in the wing positions, we have upgraded. It's just, can we replace Mellon's goals, really? Busy time then. Five out. Very busy. Very busy. (laughs) Getting to know who's who. Um, Obviously, you had uh, what I would look at as an excellent win at MK Dons at the weekend. Uh, How did that unfold? Yeah, um, mixed. The first half, we did well to just not collapse. We conceded minute 10 a minute 20 seconds in i mean i didn't even have the video up at that point because <laughs> the way i was watching it um on my laptop it just it blocked the website so i didn't even i had to try and find like via the wi-fi router to unblock it and by the time you get on it we're one nil down and you're thinking oh god here we go again at mk dons terrible record there terrible we lost four nil at home to mk dons in both league one seasons so like we just absolutely despise that that club and and that team we just can't can't get a win but 
Jed Brannan said after the game, he, he laid into the half-time saying, like, we can't concede only goals every game. And they responded. They came out. Um, it's a completely different team. We made the subs. We got, as I said before, Edwards on. We got Barker on. Um, we got Charlie Brown on, who scored a last-minute or a late equaliser against Mansfield. Last week, he won the game for us. Excellent sort of interception to rob the ball, drove forward and and stuck it away in the 92nd minute. And yeah, uh, coming into the game, we expected nothing at all. We'd have loved a draw, but to get a win was a real sign of, of intent. I don't think there's anything better than a very late winner at MK Dons, is there really? It's quite satisfying. Well, and there's no, no home fans either, is there? So it's <laughs> <laughs> all the noise is coming from the away, away following, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what style of play information should we expect to see on, on Tuesday night when we come to Morecambe? I'd be very surprised if it isn't a 4-2-3-1 slash sort of 4-3-3 with a, a sitter or a 4-5-1, depending on what transition you're in. Um, we did play a five at the back or, or even maybe even a six at the back away at Swansea, but that was very much because it was Swansea in the cup and we needed to do something different. Um, well, under Derek, it was very much will sit back and then very direct counter-attacks. But since Jed Brannan was appointed, appointed internally from his position as as first-team coach, he's tried to get a bit more passing. Um, it's not as if Derek never passed the ball, but um, he's very much emphasised that he thinks we've got enough quality to not just play on the, the direct counter-attack, um, but actually try and have some good build-up play, which we kind of have seen. It's taken its time. We've had a lot of a new influx of players and it's going to take its, its time. But we got a draw against Stockport last month. We beat Doncaster 5-0. We drew um, at their place. We drew one all with Mansfield last week. We held our own against Swansea. We've got a win against MK Dons. So we are mixing it against the better teams, which gives us confidence going forward, I'd say. Okay, James, all that bearing in mind then. Um, what's your prediction for Tuesday night? Well, it's, it's an interesting one. I think earlier on in the season, before it was rearranged, I would have probably been fairly confident given the form we were on it's been a bit stuttering of late but we've shown we can mix it so why not a 2-1 win and I'd say Charlie Brown actually starts this game and, and gets a goal brilliant James thank you very much for your time thank you very much after Morecambe we play Salford at home it's been Really sadly, um, a very poor season for Salford, who are probably quite grateful for the disastrous appointment of Troy Deeney at Forest Green Rovers. We'll be heavy favourites for this one, Tim, and surely we owe them a massive one after that controversial game at their place. Yeah, we do owe them one. You're definitely right. We got stitched up big star by the referee that day. Um, I've got a funny feeling this will be trickier than it looks on paper. Um, they are nowhere near as bad as their league position would suggest, they can't be. You look at some of the players they've got, um, and, you know, they changed the manager recently, didn't they? They got rid of Neil Ward. I can't remember who they brought in, but they won at Crawley last time out. I think the game got called off on Saturday. So, um, I think whilst we should win, and you're right, we will be heavy, heavy favourites, it's definitely not going to be um, as easy as it might you might think looking at the league table. Um, if we're If we're on it, we can win, obviously. You know, we're, we're playing some good stuff. Hopefully, we'll come into it off a win at Morecambe. Um, yeah, I don't know. Hopeful. I wouldn't say I'm massively confident. Is that a joke, then? Are you being serious? You can't remember which manager we brought in. I thought that was deliberate. Yeah, it who, wasn't. Who is it? 
It's uh, if anything would make them any more dislikable, it's the new manager, Mr. Carl Robinson. Oh, it's Carl Robinson, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're made for each other. Yeah, we he, definitely owe them. them. So are they? We owe them, and we owe him. Um, <sighs> hopefully, we'll get a referee that's uh, impartial this time. Tim, what's your now? You know who's behind the monstrosity that is Salford. Um, what's your prediction? Oh, now I know it's him. I hope we absolutely stuff him. Um, I did anyway, but now I do even more. Um, oh, do I go with my heart or my head? Heart, 4-0. Mark, can heart. you follow that? Heart, 3-0. Alex, are you going to bring some sanity proceedings or are you going to stick with your heart? I'm going to bring some sanity to proceedings. I'm like Tim. I've got this nauseous feeling in my stomach sitting up thinking about Saturday. I don't know what it is, but it just doesn't sit right. It's something, I don't know what's going just, I don't know, it's got all the hallmarks of it. I'm hopeful that actually think with your head and on head with the fourth best side in the league after 28 games. We've got some good players and the players are finding form. They are struggling. Whilst they've got good players, it's clearly not all coming together. So I think we'll get over the line, but I don't think it'll be com- as comfortable as Tim and Mark are alluding to. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 home win. Okay. I spoke to the opposition to get a lowdown on how things have been going since the lovely Carl Robinson took over. I'm here with um, Daniel from the One Up Front Salford City FC podcast. Thanks for joining us today, Daniel. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. Um, I think the first question, and it's probably the question everyone's lips, is quite simply, what's gone wrong? How long have we got? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you, you, I think you want the elevator version rather than the other one. So let, let's see if I can and break it down. Um, I think if we if we if we look at Neil Woods, um, the now departed Neil Wood for it from our club. If you look at the project that they tried there, it was always doomed to fail because it never felt like he was given full control um, over bringing in the type of players that he wanted and being over-reliant on a target man like Matt Smith and having that kind of lack of mobility in the team stopped us pressing. Um, it actually worked against the possession-based style that he was trying to implement. So ultimately, it, it wasn't, ever really going to properly succeed despite our good finish last year. So I think this time around, um, Carl Robinson, I think knows where he stands and he knows what he can and what he can't do, and what the boundaries are. So we've got hope this time. It could be a little bit different. How have things changed uh, since Robinson took over? Interestingly enough, although I've, I've talked to quite a few podcasters from his previous clubs um, and he's quite a keep it on the floor um you know, a, a young side, an athletic side with wingers. I think what he's done, he's been very pragmatic in the two games that he's actually been in charge and just said, play to our strengths. So we do still have Matt Smith in the squad. So just use him. He's he's one of the top scorers in the league, if not still the top scorer. So get the ball up to him unashamedly um, and route a lot of the, the longer passing from Elliot Watt, who's our, probably our best midfielder. So he's just he's just played to the, the, the strength in the squad rather than kind of uh, messing around the edges, which I feel that Neil Wood started to do towards the end. 
Okay, you mentioned a few players there. We're obviously all aware of um of, of Matt Smith. Um any other key players we should be looking out for um during the match? I'm hoping um I mean my, my personal favourite player this season, he, he does he's not even owned by the club. He's um he's our right back stroke, right wing back, depending what formation we play. He's on loan from West Brom, Ethan Ingram, and he had a tremendous start when he came in um at the deadline day on a loan. And I, I think if he can get back to full fitness and he's back in the team and back into rhythm, he's he's our best athlete um, and and probably one of our best attacking threats despite being a defensive player. Um, and what sort of formation would you be playing um, under Carl Robinson presently? It looks like he's, he's dispensed with Neil Wood's um, attempts to try and play back threes and back fives and he's kept it quite simple. Um, it's going to be some form of... It might even be something as simple as a 4-4-2. Um, although from what I've heard from the MK Don stints and the Oxford United stints, Robinson ultimately, as of next year, may start to move us towards a 4-3-3 with wide men. Um, and what, what would be your hopes for the rest of the season? Obviously, you, the, the bottom two are a little bit adrift in terms of relegation from this division. What would your aims be um, come the end of this campaign? Selfishly, um, and again, you know, this is this this may just be me talking rather than the fan base. That I think we're in such a poor position um, in the table that we should probably use it as a development transition season, where we've got quite a few promising youngsters who have had some starring roles at times, and I think we should give those more minutes, try and develop them. If they're going to make mistakes, let them make them this season, and. Not not put the results aside, but look more at see what's in the academy, um, and because I don't think there's going to be a massive influx of of high high paid players coming in. I think the taps have been turned off for that. So yeah, a development season is what I, what I expect, and that would excite me in its own way. You mentioned there that that your phrase was the taps have been turned off. Um, have have the funds dried up, or have the powers that be thought actually that's enough for now? What's the story there? Well, the thing is, um, I don't know what it's like at your own club, but with ours, I feel the communication um, from the top of the club to the fan base about what the direction actually is and what the strategy is, is is just left to us to decide, um, you know, and there's many different versions of what that is. But looking at how many kind of utility players we've brought in in the last year or so who can fill in multiple positions. That's to- and, the, and the fact we've got quite a small uh, playing squad, as is, apart from the youngsters, it tells me that we are trying to restrict the outflow of money and stop the losses um, which have been accumulating over the last few years. So I think we're seen as a much bigger spending club because of our history rather than the reality of where we are now. Um, and one final question for you, Daniel. What's your prediction Pleasure. for Saturday's game? <laughs> oh, um, well, I'll tell you what. Um, I'm not. I'm not very good at results, but I'll, I'll, I'll probably tell you a little bit about what I think our performance will be. I've already said style-wise where I think we'll go. I think we'll be quite um, heavy on the direct football to prevent us um, giving easy chances to yourselves. I think we'll give ourselves a chance of getting at least a point. Um, I think we are probably going to score, um, but. It's so hard to turn around such a bad defensive record that Robinson inherited. So it may be something like, let's go two all. Yeah. Okay. We've had a fair few of those this year, so that would make sense. Um, Brilliant, Daniel. Thanks for your time. Good to chat with you. Loved it. Cheers. 
Okay, a few bits of business to conclude with. Um, Joe White returned to Newcastle this week. Hopefully, we'll see him again. But Tim, how would you assess his contribution during that loan spell? Good, yeah. I think what has been really clear this season is that Lee Bell and the recruitment team, they've made a, a real point of going after people who've already had their first loans. If you look at all of them, we've bought in they're all on their you know second or third loans and I think it makes a huge difference and and Joe White I think he he'd had a couple of loses at Carlisle or somewhere previously and I don't think it had necessarily worked out but while he's been here he's been very very good um I think what's helped him has been um Powell and Taverner being out for long spells because it's it's meant that he's basically been our number one attacking midfielder and um, but he's thrived in that um he's put in some absolutely superb performances and whilst I'm not necessarily sure he'll contribute a huge amount to Newcastle's team in the Premier League, I definitely think he'll play at a higher level than than, um, than League Two. I could see him going to League One or the Championship second half of the season or next season if he doesn't come back here. Um, yeah, very good, very good signing, and he, he's done a great job, and I think he'll have a good career. Um, Alex, would you want him to come back now we've reinforced in the midfield, or would you prefer we we added strength elsewhere? It's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, you don't turn good players down. Joe White's a good player. So if there's a chance that he's going to return, obviously you take it. But the fact that we've bought in Lewis Lee, we've got in Osterfield, Tabernard doesn't seem to be a million miles away from coming back into the side. I think you can make do if he doesn't come back. What I would say, if you do bring him back in, I wonder whether you might see Joel Tabernard playing a slightly different role for the rest of the season. Obviously, when he came into the side, he sort of played sort of higher up and wider, not as a central midfield. I wonder whether they might revert to that if you did get White in, because you'd have White, you'd have Osterfield, you'd have Lewis Lee. You've got, um, obviously, Connor Thomas in there doing the destroyer work. Offord seems to... I don't see how you can drop Offord. You obviously can drop Offord back into the back three, but I don't know why you take him out of midfield with the performance he's putting in there. So it's about does Taberner potentially find himself in a more advanced role if you get Joe White in? And that might be a way forward because it's like, well, you know what you're going to get from Joe White? Instead of potentially gambling on bringing in another winger who don't know what you're going to get, why wouldn't you bring White back in and then find a different role for Taberner? So I don't know. It'd be nice if he came back and two I weeks think... I'd be gutted if he didn't. But the fact that we've reinforced that area makes me think we could probably survive without him. One last item, which is an update on the last man standing competition. And there was a massive plot twist at the weekend. Tim, could you reveal the complex next step in the competition, please? Yeah, so we had 30 people left in at the start of this week. And between the 30 players, they all chose Gillingham, MK Dons or Wrexham. And none of the three teams won. So no one is through. Everybody is out. And it is a rollover. So what this means is anyone can buy back in or buy in for the first time if you weren't involved last time. Um, email me on Podcast LMS at gmx.com and send me £5 and you are in. Um, and what the rollover pot means is that the £200 that was the prize fund from the last game is added to the, the entrance for this game. So effectively, there's an extra £200 in the pot. We had 80 entrants in total, paying £5 each. So we had £400 in total. 
So £200 of that goes to the prize pot. £200 goes to the Crew Alex-related good cause, which is the women's team. Um, so the £200 that's in the prize pot already will be added to whatever we raise from the entrance this time. Fantastic. Thanks, Tim. So um, all those details uh, will be on the Twitter account and on the information for this episode as well. So get your £5 in um, and see if we can make this competition last a little bit longer this time. That's us uh, for this week. Um, we'll be back next weekend to round up the Morecambe and Salford games. So for today, Tim, Mark and Alex, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Cheerio. Thank you very much. And until next time, goodbye. Dang, 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 ding, dong, ding, blue moon.